This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Misen. Misen makes better tools for better cooking with thoughtful design, premium materials, and honest prices, including their Misen Chef Knife to replace your knife set. Step up your cooking game now and head over to Misen.com, that's M-I-S-E-N.com, slash no meat for 20% off your first order. This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is also brought to you by Bioptimizers and their P3OM, a patented high-end probiotic designed to push out the bad guys. Go to bioptimizers.com slash no meat and use code no meat for 10% off. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. I don't think I've actually seen you since the new year and your birthday, your big, the big four zero. That's right. I'm over the hill. Now. That's right. <laughs> Here we are. Happy New Year. You know, I, I have a, a clear memory of my father's fortieth birthday. Yep. And like making a big deal out of that. Do you? I remember that too. Mm-hmm. From not, I don't remember your father's fortieth birthday. <laughs> that wasn't a big deal for me. But uh, yes, yeah, so I do remember that. And I don't remember too much about it, but I just remember it being a big, a big event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did uh, did you guys celebrate it any differently? Like, do you think that your kids will remember it as something special? <laughs> I think so. We got for my because Aaron turned forty as well this year, oh. uh, and it was also in this you know strange quarantine year. So I think they will remember it for that reason. Like we got like balloons and forty big forty balloons, not forty balloons, but the number forty in balloons. Yep. Uh, it put that out. Just you know, just more hoopla around it. Uh-huh. Uh, so it was it was kind of fun. Um, I mean, it was it was very fun, and then we Aaron and I went away for a little while and thought about some New Year's things, and you know, I don't know. I just did you ever uh, did you ever arrive at New Year's goals? We talked about it in sort of a vague sense, but we didn't. Neither of us said, "Here's what I'm doing." Um, nothing more than you know the the ones that the intentions that I set. The, well, the one goal, which was to uh, to do five push pull ups. I don't know if I said three or five. I landed on five is what I, okay. I want to do. I, I was actually did pull-ups yesterday, and I was trying to remember whether you said three or five. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I, when I first came up with it, I think I was leaning towards three, but uh, I've landed on five now. Um, and I've been working on it. Yeah? And, uh, yeah. How many are you up to now? And just one. <laughs> but, but I'm trying. Um, yeah, I mean, so to do a real pull-up, like, from the bottom and not use momentum and not, you know, do whatever else you can do to cheat, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really is hard. I know. Even that that one is a struggle. You know, it's the like. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the five pull ups and then uh, and then just routine, which I've also really been focused on as well. I, you know, I haven't like fallen into anything any specifics yet, but but really, uh, like we've been going to bed earlier. I've been waking up a little earlier. Been you know making sure I'm not eating after a certain time. Like really trying to follow into a little bit of a, a routine. How about you? Similar. Uh, I was away for the first like four days of the year, and mm-hmm. so that was different from normal New Year's to me because usually I am all about like the uh, the cutoff, like gotta have the, have everything set before the thirty first. Even though it's not like it switch flips or anything when the clock strikes twelve, uh, it's I just still like to have it set by then. So I'm like, this is the beginning of a new year, of a new thing I'm doing, and I didn't do that this year because I knew I'd be away for the first four days of it. So I kind of we we really relaxed a lot those first four days, um, and like each day I spent. I don't know, half an hour or an hour kind of doing some kind of writing or something and writing down ideas. And I came up with like this long list of like goal things that I want to do, but they're all pretty far in the future. And I also had all these other things that were like habits that I wished I could do on a daily or nearly daily basis. And I just couldn't really get anywhere with like, what am I going to say? Like, here's, here's what I'm committing to. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up doing was, um, 
actually, I think I made, I think this is, was a good, uh, a, a good step that I went through that period of not knowing what I was, I don't know, just feeling sort of unsure about how to do it. Um, but I started realizing that like these goals and these habits, all of them kind of fell into about five areas of my life. Uh, so instead of having specific goals, I just started to say, I'll, I'll take these five areas. I'll think a lot about like, what is my vision for myself in each of these areas? And, uh, you know, I have some tasks under, not tasks, but ideas under there for things that I could do to sort of further development in these areas. Um, but I don't have anything that's really like, this is what will be accomplished by the end of the year or by the end of the quarter or anything. Uh, and I kind of, I want to add a few little things like that, but I'm pretty happy with how it has just, just how it's a little bit different from usual. Uh, just kind of more about being like aware of where I, of the gap between like where I am in these areas and where I want to be. Yeah. And, uh, it has worked out well so far. I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Yeah, you know, I think that I think that's pretty powerful. If you can set like a vision for the year, you know, like these are the things that I'm going to work on. It's kind of I don't know. Recently, I've been motivated by that type of of, of goal setting, where you know, it's just I, I know that I want to eat cleaner or whatever, you know, and and so I will set of just every time I'm cooking, I'm like, oh, you know, do I need this sauce? Do I need to put this oil in there? Do I need to add this processed, you know, mm-hmm. vegan meat or something like that? Um, and you're kind of just making those little micro decisions and sometimes you do it and sometimes you don't, but you know, at least it's like in the back of your mind. I like that. We've been for the last, I think four years we have, uh, every, like the weekend after new year's, um, we get together with some friends and, um, and do like reflections on the past year mm-hmm. and, uh, and then intentions for the next year. You like throw and, things in a fire, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first couple of years we did. This year we didn't throw it in fire, but we were around the fire. Um, but yeah, like that's you know one of the one of the things we t- it's four categories: peace out, you know, so like peace out twenty twenty, you know, things you weren't ready to get rid of, mm-hmm. um, just reflections on twenty twenty, um, resolutions for twenty twenty one, and then predictions, and that can be like personal predictions or just like worldly predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and out of that, like practice every year, it just feels more and more important to to me. And uh, and anyway, in this year, it was I I kind of found myself doing less of like I'm going to read this many books, and instead I'm going to read more books. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be more mindful of reading and things like that. So, which is funny because that's like the opposite of the traditional goal setting advice, right? Where oh yeah, to totally, absolutely. Specific goals. Uh, so it's not to say that either one is better or doesn't work but i think i think both of us have been through that period where we did all that stuff and now it's sort of a, a different approach is is nicer mm-hmm. um the trick though i think first of all i love the i love the uh the idea that even if you're not all about goal setting just using the new year as your reminder that like this is a good time to check in and reflect about what you did this year uh mm-hmm. what things so like for the past four years now i've written down just a list on the day before uh new year's just write like a just as, as many as i can think of things that i'm sort of happy about that happened this year or significant things that I'm not happy about. Uh, but like just, you know, a list of 30 or 40 things that got that accomplished happened. or got done. Yeah. And, uh, it's just cool to go back and get to read that. I don't know. It just, it just sort of gives you some check-ins and makes the time not all seem to blend together. And seem yeah. Like, you know. I think it's really, I think it's powerful. I think it's important to, I mean, cause a year is a long time and, and you think about everything that happened last year. I mean, you know, not just in the world, but all of our lives, have changed and we've all had to adjust. We've all had to do different things. Like some big things have happened in the last year for every single person. Mm-hmm. And so to kind of like look back at those and look at what you've accomplished and look at what you've gone through and survived. And, you know, I don't know. I think it's, yeah. I think it's good. I, I think that is what, I think that's really what new year's kind of should be about is checking in and marking the events of the year and thinking about the next, but it, you know, more than like setting a big, big goal, as much mm-hmm. as I think that's fun. Um, 
So anyway, I, one, one final thing about New Year's, which we don't want to get hung up on because it's past <laughs> that. Um, I do think it's important, like, to have this, if you're going to have this vague, and this is what I'm sort of dealing with now and trying to figure out how to do it. If you're going to have this more vague approach that says, here's my vision, here's where I want to be, I'm not having specific things that says you have to do this every single day or do this by the end of the first month or whatever. Um, it's so easy, I think, still to forget those things. Like, that, that can just so easily be washed away as soon as a crisis comes up in your in your life or something and then you just you just forget about it and then it's done until until next new year's um so i'm still trying to figure out like the way to have some accountability to myself whether that's like a weekly like check-in or like if, if you have these visions like specifically written out at least once a week go read them one time and at least remind yourself what it is even if you're not doing anything more than that um that process of like check-in is so important and i still don't know how to how to do it the best way i have not mastered that certainly but uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I like it. Anyway, um, what we're going to talk about now, today, is a, a topic that I think is it's actually something I have been focusing on in this new year, um, especially since turning 40. One of the things I've tried to do was think about, you know, what can I do? As we talked about at the end of the year about that habits episode, oh, sort of habits thing, um, about like thinking about when I'm 50, what would I be really happy that I did all decade long. Um, and so that has kind of just set the tone for my thinking about this year. And The Blue Zones, which is a book by Dan Buettner uh, about the longest lived pockets of the world, the places around the world that produce the most centenarians, uh, which are people who live to be 100 uh, as a percentage of the entire population. And, uh, you know, their habits, what they do, not just how they eat, but, but also how they move, how they think. Uh, and then how they kind of act in in social settings or or uh, uh, you know with their sense of purpose and all that stuff. So I really love that topic. I've written a long time ago that this is probably still the, my favorite health book that I've ever read uh, is the original Blue Zones book uh, by Dan Buettner. I think it came out in two thousand, I don't know, maybe twelve or something. Um, I read it in I think twenty fourteen or fifteen, but. Uh, I just love it, and I and more and more I'm, I'm into that whole philosophy. Uh, it just, I think, it, you know, if it was, it's not just that I'm interested in longevity and living a long life. Of course, everyone, well, most people want that, but um, it's that it matches so well these things I already really enjoy about health. Uh, that this particular philosophy that what he's identified or what the the team mm -hmm. that did this research has identified, their habits that are like, if you're already eating a mostly plant based diet and you're already kind of mindful about movement. Um, and you're just sort of a health conscious person, they're, they're habits that are like not really that far off from, you know, several of the things you're going to do. So what I want to go through today is what they call the power nine, uh, which is like the nine takeaways, the big factors that uh, are associated with longevity in these zones. And we'll talk about how each of us have done those. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not like, and this is not to be a keto bashing or paleo bashing segment by any means. Uh, but when I think about you know what it what it what keto is and what it means to like eat all this fat and all these oils and things like it's it's hard it's hard for me to get excited about that because it doesn't seem like this sort of natural way of living or maybe just because it's so far from the way I currently eat. But when you talk about blue zones and it's like one of the power nine we'll find out is is eat mostly plants. Uh, it's I don't know it's really it's fun to read all these good examples of people who eat all these beans in their dishes and, and meat is like a very, very rare thing. Only one of the Blue Zones groups is actually vegetarian uh, completely, but for the most part, it's like a little meat is a side dish or a celebration sort of dish. It's not part of the diet. So anyway, it just it just goes really nicely with these sort of the health philosophy I've had forever. 
Um, and that's what makes it, I think, so interesting for me. So, yeah, it's what what I like about it is is that none of it is like super intense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, none of it is as you have to fast for you know twenty hours a day, or um, you know that you should be training for marathons all the time, or or you know eating a fully vegan or fully keto diet. You know, um, but that that there are all these kind of different lifestyle choices you can make that are are good, healthy choices, but aren't like super intense. Um, and uh, and it's just a good framework for life. So it's the Power Nine. And the reason we're talking about it today is because you wrote um, an email for Compliment, our sister mm-hmm. company, um, for this new initiative that we're doing with our Compliment called the Year of You. You know, after 2020, it was the year of everything else. <laughs> um, and we're trying to really, really, really reframe this new year, make it about you, um, all the wonderful things that you are, all the wonderful things that we are. Um, and uh, in the first kind of big phase of that is you are whole and we're like looking at what it means to live a whole life and what's going to make you whole in 2021. So that could be anything from, you know, eating right to spending lots of quality time with your family and exercise and, you know, all, all the different things, um, not just related to nutrition or supplements or something like that. So um, you, you tackled that with these power nine, because that kind of really is a full like mind body framework that, um, that you are working on and that you, uh, that jives well with you. So um, you wrote that email. It's it's a blog post over on Compliment too. Um, you can find it there. Uh, but it's really just the beginning of what we're going to be doing all year long over a Compliment um, and really kind of exploring a lot of different areas of your life and a lot of different motivational um, resources that, you know, we really think will kind of help you become a better you in 2021. So if you're interested in that, you can go to nomadathlete.com slash year dash of dash you and uh and sign up and you'll start getting those resources as well free stuff right no oh no, yeah free you stuff. have to join your view i mean you can join but it's it's yeah yeah it's free resources we're gonna be doing we're giving away a ton of stuff there's um a private facebook group where you can you know interact with you know hundreds of other people who are in there and excited to be doing this too so it's it's really it's a whole journey it's you know it's free it's uh gonna be pretty cool so it already is proving to be cool and we're only 10 days in so <laughs> good awesome all right so with that uh let's get into power nine doug and how we do them by the way one more time this is from the blue zones book by dan butner uh if if you are looking for like a health habit for the year or something to sort of set you know your your the tone for getting healthy or getting whole or whatever um other than year of you of course check out the book it's it's, it's still my favorite health book um and it's just it's just good it's not a vegan book but it's so much of the stuff is so close to a plant-based diet that mm-hmm. uh it all is very good and he was on the podcast you should check check out the episode too right he was he was on the podcast about his book the blue zones of happiness which was a follow-up uh that was not trying to determine the look not looking at the factors that make people live the longest but also but instead the factors that make people the happiest um as reported by different ways it turns out there's a lot of overlap in those habits by the way which is not surprising uh, so yeah check that one out um okay so lesson one or the first one of the power nine is move naturally. And in the book, the uh, subheadline for that one is be active without having to think about it, uh, which sounds pretty good to me because I spent a long time doing things where I did have to think about it a whole lot, uh, which was running for sure. Um, never has running really come naturally to me, Doug, the way it does to you, or at least been a, been a, a habit that's sort of fulfilling and fun for its own sake. Um, but rather, it was, a, it was a way to pursue a goal and a way to stay in shape um, but I have not been doing any running. I mean, recently, not, not any running in that way, like training for something. Uh, but, and for a while I kind of struggled, like trying to find a fitness habit, but in the past 
two or three years, I've been much more successful at that. Uh, and I have done it by basically doing this thing, being active without having to think about it, without saying this is my exercise, um, but instead this is my something else that is fun, my, my you know enjoyment or my practice or whatever. Uh, and I did the, the martial arts thing for a while. I did Muay Thai and really loved that. Uh, then I got into playing soccer, just in an adult recreational soccer league, um, which, you know, that to sprint like that, do those kind of intervals like that, that in a normal workout would kill me. And I'd be like, it's just, I, I, it's the hardest workout I do all week. But in that context of soccer, it just feels like it's just fun. I mean, it's so hard, but yeah, it's just fun. Um, and then I got into doing walks and things around hills around here and doing other things during those walks, like listening to language learning things and walking my dog, of course. Uh, and recently I've been into kettlebells, which I guess is sort of the, the least natural of all these movements. It's though it's, it is kind of back towards a fitness routine. Um, but I, it's just a very, very simple routine. Uh, it's just, you just use one kettlebell and the very nature of kettlebells is kind of this, this very functional thing. It's that you're not isolating muscle groups or anything. Um, it's, you're just using your whole body to hold the kettlebell and stand up from a laying position or back down or whatever. Um, and that's been really fun. And specifically like the, the practice, the idea, as I talked about in our last episode of, you know, saying I'm setting aside 20 or 30 minutes, whatever it takes to get these two, really just two exercises, get them done. Um, and I'm not doing anything else. I'm just in that time, I'm focusing on my form. And what's really cool about it is it's an everyday practice. It's not, it's not like go really hard and then take a week off or two days off while your muscles mm-hmm. recover. Um, it's, it's about, you know, you don't kill yourself any day. You just keep doing the same weight or very slightly more. And, uh, and you just do it every day. And I don't know, I'm just loving it. It's just a different, a different way of exercising and one that's that awesome. very natural. Yeah. 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 I think, like this one really resonates with me because, you know, I think like you, um, you know, I would, I would run most days and I'd get in like that hour or two hours of, of exercise something like that. And then I'd spend the rest of the day, you know, in front of a computer or on the couch or, or whatever. Um, and very little like movement throughout the day outside of that, um, dedicated exercise time. And, uh, that I noticed really at the beginning of last year, um, how much that was bothering me, you know, like physically, I think that I was having back pain and I was having just a lot really tight muscles and really tight legs. And then I, they'd loosen up during the run and then I'd get home and I'd just sit and can, they'd be contracted all day. And, um, it just wasn't good. So last year I, I started really trying to, um, pay more attention to that and do move throughout the day more, you know, since I do work in front of a computer and I'm not, um, you know, building a house or something like that where I'm moving naturally as part of my work, I have to, um, you know, remind myself to get up every hour and, and do some stretches, do some push ups, do some squats, um, that kind of thing. Uh, or, you know, at, about six months ago, I finally got a, a real standing desk and, um, that's been a total game changer. It's been most of the day standing up, mm-hmm. which means I'm, you know, just kind of naturally shifting and doing all these kinds of things. Um, so it's been, I don't know, I, you know, my approach to this, um, to this one has been just try to move much more frequently and, uh, and, and not have not necessarily have it be exercises, but, but, you know, really just stretches and little yoga sessions and things like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't mention, um, when I should have that what, you know, the typical way that the blues people do this is things like gardening a lot, growing their own mm-hmm. food, um, even things like making their own food, like if they if they make have to eat bread, it's because somebody made the bread, and that means they needed it for twenty minutes. And like you know, it's actual it's hard movement, um, mm-hmm. or just walking. And a lot of these these blue zones are kind of hilly, rocky places, 
and just the walking across town to do the daily errands or whatever, or visit people or whatever. Like that, that itself is, is a form of exercise. Um, and yeah, I think it's just good. I think there's a, there's a good book called Anti-Fragile uh, by a guy, Nicholas Nassim Taleb, I think his name is. Um, but he talks there about like how funny it is, how strange it is that we, people will like, will take, ele- they'll take elevators, they'll park as close as they can to the gym. They'll take their elevator all the way to the top floor and then they'll get on the stairmaster up there rather than actually just climbing the <laughs> stairs. We will like set these really controlled environments, which it, uh-huh. he says makes us fragile. And the book is of course about much more than just physical fragility, but, um, you know, I, this moving naturally makes you more resilient and more, uh, able to, you know, handle shocks to your system it's, it's different from isolating muscle groups and building those because it makes them look good it makes you look balanced uh, right, right so that's the idea of moving naturally all right number two is uh hara hachibu which i think a lot of people have heard of before it is a japanese phrase i believe and it comes from uh, okinawa which is one of the uh, japanese island that is one of the blue zones um and the idea there is you eat until you are 80 percent full the, in the book they call it painlessly cut calories by 20 percent um the idea is that that we can kind of, you know, give or take 20%. Like if you have a, the set line that is the actual amount that makes you full, um, apparently, and I don't know how they figured this out, but uh, I guess they could figure it out by just studying, uh, doing some studies. If you eat 20% less or 20% more than that, you don't feel all that different from if you eat, you know, that much. So the idea is if we tend to eat on the low side of that, we will tend to be feeling, eating fewer calories, not really feel uncomfortably you know, still hungry, we feel mostly full. Uh, and, you know, once you do that and you stop eating, then, then after your body digests a little bit, the food gets into your stomach, um, you don't feel that different after your mealtime than you would have had you eaten 20% more calories. Uh, and of course, you know, caloric restriction in general is one of the, the good things that is linked to longevity. So if we can eat less, then typically we should. Um, so that's the idea here. You know, this one, I, I can't say I've ever really consciously done it. I th- there are times maybe when I'm when I'm good at thinking a little bit, if I'm, if I'm having some sort of goal, but my goal has never been like lose weight. It's always just a gain weight. So I've never really thought like, Hey, it's a good thing if I can just stop eating early. Um, but what, what I have going for me with this one, as the most people listening to this is the plant-based diet, because, you know, even if you're not technically doing the harahachi boo thing, and you're just still going to eat till you're completely full. Uh, if you do that eating whole plants, you're going to be eating probably 20% less calories than if you would do that eating meats and cheeses and eggs and who knows what else in your food because those foods are way more calorically dense, meaning that they take up less room in your stomach for a given amount of calories than something, you know, imagine eating a big salad. You could you could actually get stuffed eating salad so that you just can't eat anymore uh, as long as you can eat it pretty fast because you also digest it pretty fast. Um, but you're not taking in that many calories when you eat a salad because um, those foods, are, they take up room, but they don't provide a lot of calories. So plant-based diet is kind of a natural way of doing harahachibu. Um but I think also that, you know, a certain mindfulness to your eating, if you're someone who's prone to eating until you're completely overly stuffed, uh, bringing some mindfulness that says, I'm going to stop before I get that, or I'm going to slow down so that I can at least sense when I'm full, uh, before I actually am, you know, past that point. Uh, I think it's a nice way to incorporate it. You know what, you know what I've been doing that, um, I think you're, I think you're right about the plant-based diet in general, but, um, one thing that I have been doing recently is, um, when we have a family dinner, you know, that's early. It's like five thirty, six o'clock or something like that. Earlier than I'm hungry to eat a big meal, typically. Mm-hmm. I'll eat like a, a half meal or like a three-quarter meal or something like that um, with, with, the, with the kids and with the family. 
Um, and then that kind of usually ends up being all that I end up needing, you know, so, uh, so I'm kind of like by eating this lighter meal, I might have a little snack. I might have, um, some nuts or peanut butter and a apple or something like that after the kids go to bed. But, um, you know, I end up eating a lot less because, or a lot less heavy of a big dinner because, um, of the time. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. So basically if you don't wait till you're completely hungry to eat, then it makes you yeah eat, right. eat someone less. <laughs> because like of, you know, I like that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right exactly yeah you know I'm, I'm not i'm not starving so i'm not like oh my god i have to have this huge plate of pasta right, right. so you don't make and, it uh, and yeah. it, it's worked out which is not that different from when we say like we've done many episodes on this where we say like if you're if you're stressed or you're busy or you're traveling or whatever the, sometimes the easiest way to eat turns out to be a really healthy one which is not thinking about i have to make a meal mm-hmm. and make so you know you can just instead like eat some fruits that are around and some nuts or whatever and it's like you kind of are just snacking for dinner but if you do that, you're probably eating 20% less calories than you would if you made the big plate of pasta uh, or, or even a healthier dinner than that, the big bean and rice bowl. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say that those things aren't part of a healthy diet, because certainly they are. But uh, I think I think we, we do get hung up on this idea that we have to like make the big, the big square meal and have that at dinner time. Uh, so I like that a lot. Another trick you can do, which uh, we've used a little bit, I think, in my house, is uh, like... A lot of times, so much of this is psychological, this idea of fullness and when is it time. If you actually force yourself, like if you use small dishes, that's the that's the trick here. Uh, use smaller dishes, smaller drinking glasses, for alcohol specifically. Um, you will tend to eat and drink more slowly that way. Um, hmm. Or at the very least, you will tend to consume less in your eating or drinking session than otherwise. Uh, I don't know if it's just from drinking or eating more slowly. For me, like if I'm drinking a glass of wine, if I have a big giant glass of it, I will. Think, I think I'll drink it at the same speed as I will if I drink if I have a miniature glass because it's just like I don't know. It's how fast is my drink disappearing? And mm-hmm. you, you expect that that should take I don't know half an hour to drink your drink, uh, regardless of the size. So, uh, and the idea of like smaller plates because I think in, in this country specifically we we have giant plates very often and then we fill them up and somehow that signals us that like that's the amount of food that is appropriate to to make you full at a meal. Uh, but if instead you just use smaller plates, you will tend to take smaller portions. You'll tend to still feel full when you're done that amount. Uh, so it's a nice little trick. Uh, and let's actually skip the, the, uh, third habit because I want to go right to lesson four, which is the grapes of life. And he says, drink red wine in moderation. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is where I actually use the smaller drinking vessel trick. I actually bought, uh, very small wine glasses for myself and my wife. Uh, how small is very small it's I don't know how to I don't know how to measure it I mean certainly I can pour it in there Um, it is they're the the Sauvignon Blanc Riesling glasses which are Hmm. you know white and typically would imagine that glass being much smaller than a big balloon shaped uh, wine glass so anyway we drink pretty much only red wine um, and we do it out of these smaller ones and I don't know I just like it it just feels feels European and like doesn't feel indulgent (laughs) and excessive so I like it for that. <laughs> um, I mean, alcohol is kind of a complicated one. I'm still not convinced. I, I don't know why I'm not convinced. Because, Well, I kind of do. But I don't understand, I guess, how this... Because they do rigorous science for this blue zone. It's not, they're just not BSing stuff um, mm-hmm. and saying, oh, look, all these people drink wine, so therefore wine must be part of it. Like, you know, They actually do statistics on it, and they try to isolate variables, and they control for things. Um, and they've determined that drinking wine is one of the things that helps them live longer. But we did an episode uh, a few years ago about is there really no safe level of drinking because one of these big meta-analyses looked at all the drinking studies 
and determined that you know there is no, there are some benefits that are outweighed by the cost uh, and the risks. And you know, you and I listened to that, and we said, and, and after looking at those stats, it sounded like the risk that comes from drinking one drink a day, which isn't really a lot. One drink, and this is like three point eight percent alcohol beer. Um, you know, that's a drink, a twelve ounce three point eight three point eight percent alcohol beer, or the equivalent in wine or liquor. Um, the, you know, the, the the risk of that is relatively low, and I forget the type of numbers we were talking about. Um, and but the benefit, you know, might be some enjoyment. But but according to these studies, even that amount of risk is out sorry even those even those benefits are outweighed by that small risk mm-hmm. so the blue zones on the other hand says go for it um so i guess if i need to pick which one to listen to i'm gonna go with blue zones it sounds, <laughs> it sounds great uh so their idea there is is it's a very small amount um i think they've talked i've read things that say like between one and four small glasses per day and some and some of these blue zones even more traditionally not as much now i think but they would drink little bits of wine all day long. Like every meal, they have a little like one ounce drink of wine with the meal. Um, so, you know, it's, I guess this is sort of a take it or leave it. He does say things like, you shouldn't start drinking if you don't already drink. Uh, so it's not that this is some like make or break, you have to drink wine if you want to be doing the blue zone stuff. But mm-hmm. to me, it's just, it's associated with a lot of really nice things. And he suggests things like, you know, have a happy hour, have some nuts as a snack, which are a really good healthy food uh, and a longevity food. Have that as a snack enjoy your drink with other people so that you're getting some of the social benefit which we'll talk about in a minute um it's not just you know make sure you drink your wine like right before bed just guzzle your wine and make sure you get your wine in for the day uh it's not that mm-hmm. my my grandparents um never drank until my grandfather had a heart attack uh mm-hmm. when after i was born so you know well late in late in their life um and then they, the doctor said to drink a glass of wine for dinner every night or, or at five or something like that. And they were like really religious that uh, no drinking except right at five o'clock. And then, uh, and then we'll have one glass of wine. And then, but then that, you know, that of course spiraled into more over time. And, uh, you know, my grandmother who lived to be 98, um, she enjoyed wine every night for sure. And, um, and she, she definitely credits that for like part of her longevity or her living longer. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. I, I realized that, that she did that. I didn't realize that she had started in that fashion. Oh yeah, no, no. She was like they—they they never. She had never had a drink until um, until you know, well late in life. Yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> so anyway, um, they recommend he recommends the Cannonau wine, which is from Sardinia. Uh, it's not that easy to find here. You can find it in some like Whole Foods often has some, and if you go to a wine shop, you can usually get it. Uh, but it's the same as the Grenache grape. It's the Grenache grape. And people see Grenache all the time. Spanish wine usually is, is called Garnacha uh, if they're using that grape. And it's in a lot of French wines as well. Uh, but, you know, apparently in the book, he talks about it having these, like three times he uses the phrases artery scrubbing flavonoids that it contains. <laughs> which I'm surprised they didn't, the editor didn't catch that the, that phrase was repeated so many times. But, uh... <laughs> I, I I have it. I don't know. I, I don't have a sense that that is a huge deal. I think I think if you pick a, a wine that isn't fifteen percent alcohol, it's lower alcohol, uh, not not a really sweet wine. I think you're going to be getting whatever benefits there are to get. Uh, so yeah, and I mean the other alcohols. I think it's. I don't know that red wine is better than others. I've heard it before. I've heard people wonder about why is it the resveratrol? Does it somehow challenge cells and like eliminate? weak cells that might become cancerous over time uh better than other alcohols do and there are all these questions uh or is it just an association thing um like a correlation not a causation where people who are 
tend to have better habits, who tend to eat more Mediterranean diets, they're also tending to drink red wine. So it's not that it's the wine itself, it's just that it's kind of associated with the diet that is healthy. So I don't know the answer to that. Blue Zones make some, some hypotheses about it, but uh, none of it totally convincing to me. All right, and uh, let's do one more lesson three before we go. That, and that was four. We'll listen to number three now, and then we will, of course, Doug, I know you're eager to get to these ads. Oh, uh, yeah. Because if we don't do the ads, Doug, Doug gets in <laughs> trouble. So uh, lesson three, plant slant. This is not a, not a hard one for most people here. Avoid meat and processed foods. Um, like I said, in the Blue Zones, they eat mostly plant-based diets. Uh, it, you know, sometimes it's this small amount of meat used as like a flavoring thing, or maybe there's like a fish stock that's used in the sauce of something, um, or it's like a little side dish, or it's a once every two weeks they have a ton of meat, but they do it in this sort of celebration fashion, and the rest of the time they're having almost none. So the point is most of the diet is, is focused on plants. Um, throughout the day it's beans and grains and fruits and vegetables and these foods that are so often in our culture neglected now because it's just you know you eat meat and cheese and white bread and like that's what you make a sandwich out of and that's what you make breakfast out of and that's I mean, it's just people eat so much of this stuff at the expense of all these other really really great foods um so i still tend to think that it is not so much the absence of the meat that that makes a plant-based diet so healthy. Certainly, I think too much meat is not a good thing. But I think it's just the fact that when when you're not eating that thing, those things, the meat and the processed foods, then suddenly there's room for all this other really healthy stuff that people tend not to eat, uh, just because it's not not quite on the surface as tasty appearing uh, as that as that Big Mac is. So, no no big deal here. Um, everyone probably does, you know, eats who's listening to this is eats a mostly plant-based diet anyway. Uh, they do tend to eat a decent amount of dairy in some of these blue zones. Uh, more often, it seems like it's like goat's milk or goat's milk cheese. Um, it's certainly not not you know big factory farmed uh, jugs of, of cow milk, but I don't know for sure that one of those is healthier than the other. Uh, but anyway, so that, so just they do have some dairy, but uh, it is not like a central point of most of the diets. Yeah, got nothing to add really on that one. Okay, then should we read some ads? Let's do it. Okay. This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Misen. Misen makes better tools for better cooking with thoughtful design, premium materials, and honest prices. Instead of having an entire set of knives, Doug, all you really need is the Misen Chef Knife. The Chef Knife has a unique sloped handle that allows you to chop more efficiently, easily, and safely. It can slice through anything with ease. Misen's knives are crafted with high-grade stainless steel to stay sharper, longer, and last a lifetime. Not only, are the lives, not only are the knives premium quality, but Misen is two to three times less expensive than other premium knife brands. So a lot of things, some of these ads, Doug, they, people stress the truth. In this one, there's no true stretching because it is true. You really just need a chef knife. I've said this forever. You don't need the paring knife. You don't need a utility knife. You don't need a boning knife. You don't need all these knives. You just need a chef knife uh, that mm -hmm. will do almost everything you need. Maybe a paring knife might help you too, but... Um, and the other thing is knives are really expensive. Uh, they just are. I gave one to my mom for her birthday this year, and it was a little six-inch chef knife because she she's used to using paring knives. Um, but I gave her a, a short chef knife, and it was like $190 for this one knife. But luckily, that's the only knife she needs, so she's good. But I just wondered. I saw the, the other knives in the store, and I thought, I don't know. Is this really worth three times the cost of another knife? Not really. But no, well, and, and Misen, uh, you know, solves that problem because their knives really are significantly cheaper. I don't know exactly what they are off price. Two to three times. Or, 
Two to three times less. Two to three times. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's impressive. So we actually haven't gotten ours yet, but I'm excited to get it and try it out. Um, and I totally agree that the chef knife, I, you know, I love, I love a good sharp knife when, oh, yeah. I'm, when I'm cooking. Uh, it just makes a world of a difference than if you're dealing with something that's, that's, uh, that's dull. Um, and so, yeah. I think, I think every adult, Doug, when you turn into an adult, you need a real good one chef knife. It just it makes cooking suddenly pleasurable instead of this annoying task that you hate. It just feels good. So get a good knife. Uh, step up your cooking game now and head over to misen.com. That's M-I-S-E-N dot com slash no meat for 20% off your first order. That's misen.com slash no meat. And this episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is also brought to you by Bioptimizers and their P3OM probiotic. There, has, there is never a bad time to boost your immune system, uh, Matt, especially right now. And P3OM has probiotics that improves your digestion and nutrient absorption, helping to ensure your digestive tract and immune system stay strong and healthy. While many other probiotics on the market don't even survive your own stomach acid, P3OM is fully tested to make sure the probiotic strains not only survive in your body, but they don't compete with each other. So you're as protected as possible from the growth of bad bacteria and other pathogens. While other probiotics require refrigeration and often die in transport, and on the shelf, P3OM doesn't need refrigeration at all. It's, it's also been clinically proven to give you more energy, less bloating, more mental clarity, and to shift your metabolism into fat-burning mode. So if you're ready to boost your immune system for healthier digestion, go to bioptimizers.com slash no meat. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash no meat. And by using promo code no meat, you'll save 10% off your next order. So there's two things to remember, bioptimizers.com slash no meat and promo code no meat. Start living stronger. All right, Doug, on to lesson five of the Blue Zones Power Nine, um, which I had pulled up and then I started reading the book and now I've lost it. Uh, it is purpose now. Take time mm. to see the big picture. And of course, what this means is have a sense of purpose in your life. Uh, that is not... Uh, News, I don't think to too many people. I think people are familiar with the stats uh, that people, when people retire, they tend to die kind of soon after that if they don't have a <laughs> sense of purpose that, uh, that keeps them going because they lose their, their sense of purpose, which was their work for many people, and then death is not too far off. Um, so that is to say you should have a sense of purpose even while you are working. You should, and maybe your work is it, but if it's not, uh, you should have one. And it can be a lot of things. It also might just be a matter of getting in touch with it and kind of understanding that, that the things that you're doing uh, are, you know, in line with your purpose. Uh, and they, they recommend things in the Blue Zones, like having a, a kind of a personal mission statement if you think you need that. Or if, you, you know, if you're feeling like you don't have a lot of purpose, but you do think you have a lot of activity, maybe you just need to connect with why you're doing all this activity and what purpose is it toward. Um, What's your purpose, Matt? I mean, I don't really know. But I, I guess I should connect with it more. <laughs> um, I, I, as I mentioned in the email I, like the family is a huge one uh, and that's going to be a later Blue Zones topic we'll bring up in a few minutes um, but of course you know being a good father and husband and, and raising kids that are have every, every chance to be successful um, that's a huge one growing these businesses that we do building these brands helping people eat more plant-based and be healthier of course that's another one um, and then I also I don't know I just I personal growth you can call it self-improvement, self-help, whatever. Uh, I just think, I just, I don't know. I find that if I'm, if I go a long period without thinking about like, how can I do better at this or make myself, you know, grow in this direction? 
I will tend to kind of stagnate and not be very happy. So I, I pretty much any topic we've ever done, we've had plenty of episodes where I'm saying how I'm always bouncing around between instruments and languages and whatever hobby that's my new big thing. And this is going to be the only thing I ever do from now on. Um, you know, it's that, that, whatever that, all that is together, that is, that is my purpose. And I, and self-improvement is probably, or personal growth. Those are, those are what I can call that. Yep. How about you? You know, I was thinking about this in, uh, ahead of this episode and, um, I think, I think it's community. I think it's, uh, you know, and, and I'm going to put that in three different buckets. One, it would be like my family community, you know, and, and making sure that we're all happy and healthy and growing and all that stuff. Um, and then like local community friends and then, you know, my town, Black Mountain, you know, kind of contributing and being part of that community. And then of course the greater, broader plant-based community and nomad athlete compliment community, um, and all the work that I'm doing there. So, you know, I think that like, if I can, or I don't know, linking all of the things that I'm doing, all those activities to community and bettering the community is, is really motivating to me. And yeah, I can see that feels good. I think that is the right answer. Um, and that's good because that will also bring up the importance of community in, in a later one. So certainly these things can tie <laughs> together. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I think, I think you're maybe more clear on yours than I am on mine. Um, and I do wonder like if, I don't know, like let, let's say at some point I retire or whatever that is, whatever that looks like when, it, when it's not a real job, but, but running businesses, um, you know, I wonder what would happen. Like, like what it, would I suddenly lose something that I realized was like, wow, maybe, maybe only after you lose it, you say, wow, that was my purpose. And now I don't have it anymore. Uh, so I don't know. I'd like to get more clarity on this for sure. Uh, cause certainly purpose is, is, you know, an essential part of, of health. And this is an important thing. Like, I think, like I said, people realize that there is this statistic about when people retire, they often die if they don't have something else going on. They, it's five or 10 years after that and they're done. Um, I, it's one of the things that I'm still learning and like it's, I'm resistant to it, but this idea that, that health and longevity are not just exercise and food. It's so mm-hmm. hard. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because magazines have always promoted, you know, that it's a, a quick fix, 10 easy, you know, recipes that can help you live longer or this exercise is the new, you know, miracle magic bullet, whatever. Um, it's so hard for me to think that having strong friendships or having a really close family that that will make me live longer. It just doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem like that should be related, even though it makes me happier. Um, but you know, clearly it is. I'm not not arguing with it. Uh, but that you know, these are the ones that I have trouble with, where I'm definitely weakest when it comes to these these blue zones, because it's not it's not quite as easy. I mean, maybe it's easy. Maybe it's easy for someone like you whose purpose is is the, the community thing. But uh, I don't know. I just find them harder. So we'll get to those hard ones in a minute. Lesson six is downshift, which is take time to relieve stress. Um, this one I think is kind of easy for some people. It doesn't mean you have to stop and do nothing. It just means you need to have activities that, that, um, you know, aren't, aren't adding stress to your life. All your activities can't be, uh, high stakes gambling. That can't be your hobby that, that really does that because that <laughs> itself is stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you have a meditation habit, of course, that's a great one. Uh, the walking, perhaps even the running that we talked about before, I think for certain people, especially if you do it with the right mindset, those can be your, your stress relieving, your slow down moment. Um, but I, I do like the idea of just doing nothing. And as I wrote in the emails, one of the things that I, I not too many people know, cause it's embarrassing is that I take baths all the time. <laughs> I really like a good bath. Uh, and I think this is because I'm always cold 
And it's like, especially in the wintertime, when uh, I just wake up and for the first two hours of the day, I'm freezing. And I'm finally like, okay, I'm just going to take a bath and get warm and then, then I'll go on with my day. Uh, but it has turned into a chance to like read books and do flashcards and not, not physical flashcards, but on my phone, uh, which maybe isn't, isn't quite in line with the slow down unplug idea of flipping through flashcards on my phone. But like I said, for certain people, I think, I think if, if it's a hobby that is really fulfilling to you and does feel relaxing, then it can be relaxing. Uh, but anyway, I, I like a good bath. It's a nice time to... You should get a hot tub. Recharge. I had a hot tub once, and I didn't really do it that much. I don't huh. know why. It was just... I don't know. It's not the same. Yeah. I, you know, I, I will say, I, I hardly ever take baths, but um, I did take one the other day. Uh, oh, yeah? Or I don't know. You? Maybe a couple weeks ago. This is... I don't know. This may be a little bit slightly embarrassing story. But uh, <laughs> I couldn't get Eliza to take a bath. And uh, I was like, what if we put on our bathing suits and got in the bath together? <laughs> so we did. And mm-hmm. we took this bath and she um, sat behind me and like washed my hair and stuff. And I was just like sitting there and I was like, man, baths are amazing. <laughs> like, this is awesome. <laughs> I so, have definitely taken a bath with my kids with bathing suits. Yeah. And Do you have a good bath? Like a big? A big t- no, not good. I mean, it's okay. It's, I've had better for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no jets or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even talking about jets, but like. My bath is a little bit too small, especially for with a kid in there. But um, yeah, baths I don't nice. know. Baths are good, but but I so anyway. I, back to this uh, downshift um, rule. I you know I love this one because I think that there are just so many things that bring me joy that I don't um, make time for, or that uh, you know that are just super simple. Like we've talked a lot about um, you know when I've been in a routine with my like disc golf putting and I'll go out for 10 minutes and throw a bunch of putts, like those types of things that are, that are low stress because it's just casual and just kind of rhythm, rhythm, rhythmatic, rhythm, whatever. Rhythmic. Rhythmic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that just, uh, you know, that it, it releases a lot of stress for me and feels really good. Um, and so things like that, that, that only take a few minutes. Um, I'm, I'm all about those types of things. Definitely. I think, uh, I think, I think these things are all about the mindset and, and kind of how just are you actually taking the moment to slow down and, and unwind or because you can do you could do that disc golf hobby in a different way. You could be listening to podcasts and you can right. be listen, you could be having all these things that are all this stimulation still coming in. Uh, and that is not the point. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think I think if, if you do them and even like the happy hour thing, right? if like if that is with a, a friend uh, or maybe mm-hmm. even by yourself, he, he, they don't recommend drinking by yourself. But if you just sit there quietly that's way different from flipping through the news on your phone while you're having your happy hour. If oh, yeah. that's something that's going to stress you out and just be this flood of, of input, which for most people it is because of the way social media and ads and all that stuff are now. Uh, but I think if, I think if you go, I mean, almost anything, right? Like the drumming used to be one for me that I would it just, it would just be a very, very rhythmic thing. It wasn't, it wasn't crazy rock and roll, fast paced, physical effort. It was just, I don't know, it was just a very meditative kind of experience. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I think it's mindset. I think it has to do with, minimizing inputs and things that are coming in uh even eating without lots of distractions right you can do a very mindful drinking of tea mm-hmm. or eating of a meal where you are focusing on that food and that that is a meditation in some form so i think i think if you can do those kinds of things um you know maybe you don't have to carve out 20 minutes to literally do nothing uh, although that might not be a bad idea yeah all right next one doug is, what number what number are we on we're on seven we, we have seven eight and nine okay we'll go faster because i don't like these uh <laughs> number seven is i'm sorry belong participate in a spiritual community 
So, I uh, I don't have I don't have a spiritual community at all. I, I like some spiritual things. I like reading books about spirituality uh, in in certain types, but I have no community, and I I really have trouble imagining doing that. I went to Catholic high school. I did go to church as a kid. I did did the communion thing, um, but I just I, I just can't imagine wanting to worship in a group. Uh, and I don't think I don't think individual reading of, of books about consciousness and spirituality. I don't think that counts. I don't think that uh, is what they are going for here. So I don't know how to fix this one. He actually does recommend some some like non non dogmatic churches like Unitarian Universalism uh, or Buddhism. I've done a little bit of Buddhism reading and enjoyment, but never with a community. And the Unitarian I've seen the Unitarian Church and Aaron. And I There's once talked about a big one in Nashville. Yeah, we talked about going to it once. And then, then I started thinking about church as a kid, and I was like, I, I hated that. That was the worst hour of my whole year when we'd go there on Christmas. So, I don't know. Don't know what to do about this one. What about well, you, Doug? You come from a religious family. I do. My dad was a preacher. So mm-hmm. I grew up in church every Sunday and Wednesday and sometimes more than that. Um, and, you know, the church played a big role in, like, my sense of belonging as a kid, especially, like, that was a huge part of uh, my community and friend group and you know i mean that was like you know who my parents hung out with were members of the church and that kind of thing so you know i i certainly understand this and and i I understand the kind of the power of of uh you know being together and kind of collectively focusing your energy on a certain thing um Mm -hmm. and i don't we don't go to church anymore but i i do miss it And, and actually katie and i um pre-pandemic we're going to the you know the unitarian church in Asheville. um i mean not regularly we probably went three or four times um over the like the winter last winter Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah, and and quite liked it you know i think that I, i i get that i really i want my kids to have um some community like that that uh you know where people are talking about how to improve themselves and, you know, mm-hmm. what it's, what it's like to be a good person and that kind of thing. So, I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the right answer is for me and, and my family, but, um, but I get it. I get why this is one. And, you know, I will say another thing that, um, have you ever done like a kirtan session with people? No. Uh, so it's like, um, like Buddhist chanting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, you like really repetitive chants and uh there's usually a drum or some sort of instrument um and it you know you're like kind of just doing these mantras that over and over and over again and singing them and um like to me that gives a lot of that same feeling and i imagine if i had a regular kirtan community then hmm. um then you know then there would be like that sense of belonging to that community but but that collective energy, like really positive energy, just feels so good. Um, every time I've been to a kirtan class or, or session, I don't know what you call them, but um, I come out of there just feeling hmm. on top of the world. Interesting. I actually could get into that. That sounds that doesn't sound too bad. Um, yeah. So I, I need to read this more. It's been a while since I read the book, but I, I found myself wondering as I was reviewing it this time. He talks about it being like part of a faith-based community and the power of faith. Um, but I want like how much of this is just community and how much is faith based? Like is the craft mm-hmm. beer community? Is that, can I be a part of that? And that'd be my, my, uh, your belonging. Yeah. Or, or the vegan community. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel connected to the vegan community. I feel like an important part of it. Mm-hmm. And it gives, gives me a sense of worth and connection. Uh, 
I, guess I don't know. I, I have faith I, that the diet is a good one. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I I don't know. I I don't know what they're what they're uh, what they believe. But you know, I I do I do think that there's probably something uh, very positive to your your mindset and energy if if you're like with a group thinking about powerful things and like uh you know like bettering yourself and bettering the world and um i don't know purpose Mm -hmm. so i I, you know i think that that, that's probably more beneficial than just talking about beer but but maybe not no (laughs) i don't know i think it is i think i think i think the thing you said with the kirtan thing and the togetherness because in the blue zones in this part i'm looking at now he said studies show that people who get involved with the service like singing hymns participating in prayers or liturgy volunteering may find their well-being enhanced and i i that to me sounds like group dynamic sort of everybody at once and all this energy going in one place Um, yeah a little bit different from bringing your homebrew to the beer club (laughs) although if everyone's celebrating your beer then you know like and you're all you know singing like hey ho drink the (laughs) beer we go drink enough you can get get everybody going yeah 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 (laughs) all right lesson eight loved ones first this one's not a problem make family a priority Uh, of course you know this this can refer to the immediate nearby family the traditional kind of nuclear family that we have often talked about doug um mm-hmm. and that that is a certainly a big sense of each of our, or a big part of each of our purposes um but also buzons they tend to to uh have a, a different a lot of involvement with with older generations and they often live in the same like very often uh rather than go live somewhere else they they bring them into the household and that is good for the kids it's good for the older people um teaches they also have they they revere them much more they you know their respect for they're treated as a wealth of knowledge and and experience um and being old is is not is not looked down on as it is on a lot in our culture believe it or not um so that's that's a big one i think uh it's it's not just your immediate family it's it's being connected to you know more extended family uh particularly the older generations for what they can they can do and, and I think it's cool that it works both ways, right? Like the the older people probably live longer because they are feeling loved mm. and respected and part of a household still, um, and they also benefit the younger and by by teaching them, you know, values and teaching them what's important and give sharing their experience. And so I think it's cool that it works both ways. So I I would really enjoy living with uh, parents. I, I say that now. <laughs> we'll see if I actually did it how it would be, but um, <laughs> it, it sounds pretty nice to me. Yeah, I could I could get down with that. I certainly wish that they were. I certainly wish that some of my parents were around closer. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we don't live near any of them. But um, that would I, that would be a real game changer for me. But you know, so uh, both of us have spent some time in Latin America, and really, this is not just Latin America, but many parts of the world. Um, but I, you know, I did two study abroads, and both cases I was in a like a homestay. And um, and in both cases, the grandmother uh, and well, one time grandparents and one time grandmother lived in the house. And then same with like adult kids, like it was, you know, they were in college or just out of college and still living at home. And then the grandparents and the parents, it was like four generations, kind of all in the same yeah. compound and, and area. And it was like no big deal, you know. And um, and that was kind of like, well, as an outsider, it was really cool because I could you know get to know like. Not just young people from this country, but um, but you could get out of there. <laughs> What's that? So probably you could get out of there when you got tired of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could get out of there. Yeah, <laughs> there were no expectations for me to, you know, 
make sure that my grandmother was okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't know that I want to go that far. Um, but, I, you know, it's, I can see how it's beneficial for sure for everybody, like you were saying. Yeah. Good. And finally, lesson nine, right tribe. Be surrounded by those who share Blue Zone values. Um, so tribe, I don't know. I think you could say tribe more easily when 2012 when this was written. Nowadays, when we say tribe in anything, we get uh, a bunch of emails from people saying we should not use that word, but I'm just reading what the book says. Um, I'm trying to remember what we said in, in you, or the year of you. I'm sorry about this delay. Um, yeah. Yeah, so what they said there, because that was more descriptive there than, than just live with people who have Blue Zones values. Um, mm-hmm. The world's longest-lived people chose or were born into social circles that supported healthy behaviors. Okinawans created Moais, which are groups of five friends that committed to each other for life. So to me, this is really about, um, you know, having friends or, or peers or the people who, who you spend a lot of time with, um, or I guess who you let influence your life, um, making sure that those are people who, who, you know, are a positive influence, who, who bring with you, who bring, who have the values that we've been talking about throughout this. I guess that's sort of what the definition of positive is. They reinforce these other habits that we've been talking about. Uh, rather than, you know, undermining your sense of purpose or, or making fun of you all the time. Uh, in, in a personal development sense, this is always said as, uh, you know, you, you, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Or if you want to know what your weight is or what your bank balance is, just look at your five closest friends and average theirs, and you'll be pretty close to yours. And in most things that, whenever I've done that little experiment, it seems to be true. So the point is, surround yourself with, uh, with people that, that you are choosing and who are, who are worthy of being around you because they are living life deliberately and they're they're living by good values. So this, I don't know, I, I have some really good friends at home, uh, but since I moved to Asheville, I, I don't really have a whole lot of good like friend in person contact. Uh, and I don't even do that well at reaching out to them. Text messaging now, I don't know, like text messaging is kind of cool because it lets us always be in touch, uh, similar with social media, like we're always a little bit in touch with people. And I, I, can, I can sometimes start actually laughing from a good text thread and really feel like I'm with my friends. Uh, but it's just not not a really high quality experience. You're not you're not doing so. Uh, Cal Newport in his books like Digital Minimalism talks about how the, how important it is, how how complex a, a process it is for us to like have a conversation with someone face to face, and we're we're watching their face for cues, and we're reacting, and we're hearing how they're how they're interpreting or how they're responding to what we're saying, and we're adjusting our our tone of speech or our, the words we say based on that, and similarly the opposite direction. So there's all this feedback, a very complex thing. And when you just talk about texting people, like so much of that is lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do maybe a little bit better by voice chatting people or face FaceTiming people. Um, you know, so it, it's it's one of the trade-offs. We we have we have a lot more contact with people, but it's not really that good of contact. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I need to be better about this. I've talked about this many years in a row about how this year I'm going to really like get in touch with a lot of friends and try to do things. Uh, I have not really made that made it last. And like I said, it's hard, it's so hard for me to consciously say this is this is like related to my health and my well-being and I, I need this but i really i think covid like really made me certainly value that time with friends like we talked about playing poker and it was awesome the first few times we played poker with friends on zoom um it was like wow like i've really been missing friends and contact and all that and then at the same time it was also like wow like at the end of it it was like that is that is not at all the same especially after three <laughs> yeah. or four times that is not at all like having a real poker night where you go in the presence uh-huh. of other people uh, it's just different. It's just not not the same as being around humans. So mm-hmm. uh, this is a hard one for sure, but but definitely an important one and one that as I get older, I'm I'm recognizing more the value of. Yeah, this is my biggest regret of 
of 2020 and COVID and the pandemic has been kind of losing that tribe. I think, you know, I was um, in the height of last winter. uh, I had a group of five guys that there was kind of this standing 6 a.m. run Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It you know started just once a week, and then became twice a week, and then became three times a week. Where not everyone would show up every time. You never really knew who would show up, but it was like somebody would be out there at six a.m. at the trailhead mm-hmm. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and um, and it, it just like like that regular time with the guys, um, and you know this that kind of regular activity. Like it was so healthy and so yeah. good, and. Um, and then that all stopped, and and a lot of those guys I've hardly ever talked to anymore. And you know, it's just I, I don't know. I, I think that that sense of tribe feels really important to me, and something I want to get back into as as we're able to do more in person. Yeah, I think uh, I mean certainly I can I can certainly understand that and that feeling of of having a group like that where the group is always there, even if anyone any one or two or three aren't. It, it's still the group is still doing this thing. Uh, that is very very powerful. And I think it's one of those things that I know. If I'm speaking personally, like I, I never initiate making that kind of thing happen. I was ready to suggest you. I was like, well, we'll just make sure you get that going again once COVID is done. But mm-hmm. that's hard to do. Like it's just a lot of people yeah. just it's it it risks rejection and the idea that like people don't want to be bothered. Maybe can't. Maybe circumstances have changed now, and you'll you'll want to do that, but they won't really feel like it, and they'll show up. I don't know. It's just it's just hard to like initiate for some people. For me especially, um, hard to like make that kind of stuff happen. Uh, but I also think it's really, really important to do so. And uh, the, again, Cal Newport, he talks about this idea of, that we don't, like how, how much, first of all, what we just said, how much more powerful a, a conversation is than a texting back and forth or a thumbsing up on Facebook. Um, and he said that people don't want to call each other because they think, they assume that everyone is busy right now and doesn't want to be bothered with a phone call, which a lot of times is true. Uh, and I mean, you can just not answer a phone if you don't, if you don't want to be bothered, but I think for, we still have this thing about, we just aren't going to call people. I mean, it'd be weird if I just called a friend and said, Hey, just wanted to like chat and see what's up. Like, it's just weird because it almost seems disrespectful of their time. Like certainly they have something better to do than that. Uh, but, but in it, for many of them, they probably don't, right? Like for those who value that friendship, I know when a friend calls me, it's awesome. It's like, it's like a really cool thing. And I, and I respect him or her for taking the time to do that. Um, so anyway, Cal Newport recommends he says he's doing it himself. He let you kind of make what you call office hours and you let everyone, you know, know that these certain hours would Monday, Wednesday, Friday, this time, or maybe always on your commute home from work at this hour, you are totally free. Um, you know, you're, you're, you at your desk or you're making that time available for anyone who wants to talk. That is what you want to do with that hour is talk to people. And then you encourage them to call you. Um, I think he said, or actually, no, someone who I know in person who does this, that he hasn't really had that many people take him up on the opportunity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. I think that's a nice a nice move in the right direction. That just, I, I mean, just letting your friends know that that's how much you value them um, and encouraging that. I don't know. I think it's it's one small thing that we can do. Agreed. But not easy. What's that? I said, but not easy. No. It's, these are hard things to force. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you can't have a regular podcast partner who you, once every two weeks or so, you get on with yeah. podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of nice. Like, honestly, you know, since we don't hang out anymore in person, like... Yeah, it's something. It's a chance to catch up. Yeah, and... Especially now that we're doing video. We get the facial interaction. Like, I know, it's, it's nice. Take your, look at your facial cues. 
That's speaking of, if uh, people don't know, we're now publishing these on YouTube, um, both uh, the full episode and then sometimes doing some highlights, like some little mm-hmm. clips. So check it out, Nomad Athlete. If you just Google or YouTube search Nomad Athlete, it'll come up. Cool. Is it youtube.com slash Nomad Athlete? Is that still the URL? I don't know. Probably. I think it was at one time. I don't, I don't know if they changed okay. it. Okay. If it was before, then I haven't changed it. <laughs> I just don't know if YouTube changed it. Oh yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to make that promise, but no, let's not get into social media and changing rules and all that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thanks well, this for listening, everyone. Uh, yeah, seriously, I love this blues on thing. If if this episode didn't do anything for you, then uh, check out the book because it actually it's much better than this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but do your view as well. Uh, that's that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're um, the next one is going to be you are badass and talk about what it means to really be badass and it's not necessarily what you think like it good good teaser what's the link for people to find that doug nomadathlete.com slash year dash of dash you and there'll be a little sign up form for you to join in again it's free to be part of this awesome thanks for listening everybody happy new year happy new year see you soon all right